Thank you, Bruno. Let us bow our heads a moment for prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we approach thy great throne and majesty tonight in the name of Jesus Christ, knowing this, that we have the assurance that you'll hear us. We have no other name that we can be assured that you'll hear us in, but he said, if you'll ask in my name. So we pray that you'll receive us into thy kingdom tonight, and may we leave here saying like those who came from Emmaus, did not our hearts burn within us? as he spake to us along the way. Father, we think of them on that fine, first beautiful resurrection morning, Jesus alive and among the people, and yet they, some that loved him didn't recognize it. So is it tonight, Lord. After 1900 years, you're still alive and among us, and many people doesn't realize it. Though those men should have understood it, they know the scripture said he'd raise up. But Father, I guess it's just human beings. Forgive us, Lord. And we pray now that your grace will be sufficient for us tonight and grant your blessings upon all who are waiting and those under anticipation for their physical healing. Grant, Lord, it will be tonight that they can reach up by faith and believe you. We ask it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. May be seated. Uh, Reverend Jack Moore, you see in the building, Reverend Jack Moore, uh, you're born at the book stand right away, Brother Jack Moore. We are happy to be here tonight, again in the service of the Lord, and with great anticipations believing that God will meet us upon the ground that we has promised to meet us on. Now, we do not claim to have any power. I don't believe that we have power to heal the sick. We don't have power, but we have authority. See? It's not power. Say, for instance, there's a, a policeman standing out on the street. He weighs 110 pounds. And here comes a whole row of traffic at, at 80 miles an hour, 300 horsepower engines in them, and they're buzzing down the street. 300 horsepower engines. Why, that little fellow doesn't have power to stop one of them. But just let that badge shine and raise up his hands. Listen to brake squeak. Watch him slide sideways. It isn't his power that stops him, it's his authority. And the church has an authority from Jesus Christ. In my name they shall cast out devils. Speak with new tongues. If they take up serpents or drink deadly things, they'll not harm them. If they lay their hands on the sick, they shall recover. That's his given authority. Now, what if this same little policeman is afraid to raise his hand and step out in that traffic? You better take off the uniform, present the badge back, because he'll never make a policeman. Neither will we ever make a believer, as long as we're afraid to exercise the authority that's been given us by Jesus Christ. We have victory. We don't have to have any. We don't have to fight for victory. We already have victory. He conquered for us, not us. He conquered for us. We're not the mighty conqueror. He is the mighty conqueror. Now, remember tomorrow night, if the Lord willing, these first couple nights, it's just a shame to run into a city like this and just get acquainted, shake hands, leave. 
And that's, that's not fair to the people. It's not fair to the ministry. It certainly isn't because the ministry is a little on the phenomenal side, and you just have a night or two, to, about two nights to introduce it, then start praying for the sick, and the people run up in the prayer line, not even hardly knowing what they're coming for, just blindly jumping into it. It should be laid out and showed scripturally, word by word, that it's thus saith the Lord. And that is true. The message of the hour uh, to Abraham's loyal, royal seed through Jesus Christ. For we are heirs with Abraham according to the promise, as we being Christ were Abraham's seed, and heirs with him to the promise. The royal seed, not the seed through Isaac, that was natural, through sex. Jesus was uh, the seed without sex. He was, the, he was God himself. We are not saved by Jewish blood, neither are we saved by Gentile blood. He was neither Jew nor Gentile. He was God. Amen. He was not nothing short of God. See, he was, we know he was conceived in the womb of, vir of a virgin, Mary. She was just the incubator. She did not, the egg was not hers, neither, that wasn't her egg, nor it wasn't no man's germ, or male germ, which is the hemoglobin, which is the blood cell is in the male sex. We know that a hen can lay an egg, but if she has been with the male bird, it'll never hatch. It has to be with the male bird first. The male packs the, the blood cell, and the life is in the blood. And this was God himself who, now the Protestant believes that the egg belonged to Mary. The egg cannot be produced without a sensation. So what would you make God do then? See? God made both egg and blood cell. He was God, the flesh of God. We've seen God handle God with our hands. Without controversy, great is the mystery of God, for God was manifested in the flesh, seen of angels, handled here in the world, received up in the glory. So we find in this now that he was God, made flesh. He tabernacled with us. He, he changed his great position from being the great uh, eternal one. As we spoke last night, he was the attribute of his own thought. He did come down here and become man to redeem man. Why, it's the most lovely story. I don't see how people could ever stay a sinner and, and, and know that. How that God became one of us. It's so beautifully illustrated there. I'd like to preach it to you. And Ruth and Neoma, how he was become the, the kinsman redeemer. Uh, had to be a redeemer and had to be kin folks. And how God and the Spirit couldn't be kin to us. And he become kin to us. When God made man in his own image, he was a spirit man. And there's no man to feel the sorrow that he put him in the earth after... In five senses, he made him an animal with the Spirit of God in him. Now, we are animal life. We know that. We're a mammal. Mammal, warm-blooded animal. And then God came down in the form of man. As man took the form of God, then God took the form of man to redeem man back redeemed. Oh, my, what a, what a beautiful picture. What a wonderful thing we have. Now, Tonight, just a short service. I held you long last night. After 9 o'clock, I noticed the people again, one, getting up, walking here, going out. But see, that disturbs. It distracts from the meeting. And when it does, it's not your fault. Maybe you had to catch a bus or something, and you have to be there. I know what that means. I'll try to hurry. Now, tomorrow night, if God willing, I want to take an evangelistic text and preach to you tomorrow night, the Lord willing. Tonight, I want to read some scripture and just give a few quotations, just the background a little bit, because not understanding the message, and you're all practically everyone strangers to me, and not knowing nothing about the message, and then 
not knowing what all this is about, you just reach haphazardly at it. I want you to understand it's the promise of God for this day. The, the days of Wesley would never work today. The days of Luther, what was the matter with, with the Lutheran? The Wesley son, they were living in the glare of Lutheran light, and God raised up Wesley. And what's the matter, what was the matter with Wesley? They were living in the glare of Wesley when Pentecost raised up. Now what's the matter with Pentecost? Living in a Pentecostal glare. A glare is a reflection of a light, like a mirage on the road, where the light has been and reflected its light. That was the same thing that they rejected Jesus. They were living in the glare of another light, the light of the law. And they refused or failed to see the Messiah when their own prophets told just exactly what he would do, how he would be identified, and there he was just exactly the way they said he would be. And yet they failed to see him because they were living in a glare of another day. I wonder today, friends, what would your present state now identify you with some of those characters of the Bible? Now think of it. All them Pharisees and Sadducees and great religious groups and how starts and great they was. Now just think, what side would you have took if Jesus was on earth? Not even, not a church would let him into it. Nobody, just a few friends. Now you know what's prophesied again in the last days? That's right. And did you know also that in um, that day he was supposed to be an uneducated, illegitimate person? Did you know that? Did you know he was supposed to be a man out of his mind? One day he said to the disciples, look around, he's too many with him. He said, uh, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Now what do you think a doctor, a scientist, or, or some smart intellectual person would have thought? That man's a vampire. And trying to get all of us to be a vampire. Drink human blood? He, he never explained it. He didn't have to explain it. Amen. The real genuine predestinated seed will catch it. Showed it in that little woman we talked about last night. Yet in her condition, she found out what it was quickly. And he said, then he had said and demanded, he called for disciples. He said, what will you say when you see the Son of Man ascending up from where he came from? Ascending up? We've seen the cradle he was rocked in. We know his mother. We know the manger he was born in. We come from the city. He fishes with us and so forth. Who is this guy? Well, we, well that's too hard for them to believe. And they went away. Then he said to the twelve, I chose twelve of you, and one of you is the devil. Then he said to them, Do you want to go also? Now, he never explained it. He never told them what his flesh was and what his blood was. He never told them how he come down and how he's going back up. But what? All the time, those disciples couldn't explain it either. But they believed it. They couldn't explain it. They were ordained to that life. They couldn't explain it. Peter said, Lord, to whom would we go? They know the message of the hour. They know what it was supposed to be. They said, We know that thou and thou alone has the word of life. There's no place else we can go. Where could I go to what place today unless I went to Christ, the Bible? He is the, he's the, he's the inexhaustible fountain of God. The more you draw from it, the fresher and better it gets. Now, if you will, I want to read a little text tonight, to read some scriptures, and then we'll go right straight to the message and try to be out of here by nine or a little after, if all possible. And that's just going to be about 30 or 35 minutes. Shall we stand while we turn to St. Matthew 12, the 12th chapter of St. Matthew, beginning with the 38th verse, while we reverently bow our hearts. 
Then certain of the scribes and of the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and an adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The man of Nineveh shall rise in the judgment with this generation, shall condemn it, because they repented at the preaching of Jonas. And behold, a greater than Jonas is here. The queen of the south shall rise up in the judgment with this generation and shall condemn it. For she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Behold, a greater than Solomon is here. Let us pray. Lord, behold means look up to, pay attention. Let us remember tonight these words that uh, greater than all is here, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We ask this blessing that he'll take these words and anoint them to the hearts of the people that they might have faith. Then show himself alive as he promised to be, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world or the consummation. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We will speak just for a few moments on scriptural signs of the time. Now, Jesus here was rebuking that generation because they had not believed his scriptural sign. Watch these Pharisees. They come to him and said, Master, we would seek a sign from thee. Watch the blindness of them. The sign had already been done, and they didn't recognize it. Do you know I believe that one day the rapture will take place and people will know nothing about it? Jesus said in St. Matthew, the 11th chapter, when John had come to, or his disciples had come to see him, and they returned back, and he said, What went ye out to see, a reed shaken with the wind, or a man in fine raiment? Or did you go to see a prophet? He said, I say a prophet indeed. Now, if you can receive it, well, this is he who was spoken of, uh, the, the prophet saying to Sam a messenger before my face. One day the disciples asked him, said, when he's talking about he being the Son of Man, he said, why is it then that the scribe says that Elias must first come? Now look, in Malachi the third chapter, said that I'll send my messenger before my face. Jesus referred to that scripture. Not Malachi 4 now, that's another time. The Malachi 3 was one time, I sent my messenger before my face. Malachi 4, when he comes in, the earth's going to be burnt, and the righteous walk out upon the ashes in the millennium. And we never did that after the coming of John. But it will be after the coming of the last day messenger that will return the hearts of the people back to the original gospel, the faith of the early fathers, the kind they had it in the new church at Jerusalem. And that will be restored in the last days to the... It'll be in a minority group, but it will be just the same kind of a character as Elijah and John, both wilderness lovers, women haters, and 
so and denominational blasters, and they'll be just the same type of person, but have the truth, a vindicated, identified truth. It's promised. Now, we know that Jesus turned and said to him, Elias has already come, and you didn't know it. Now, wouldn't it be very sad one of these days if we find the church over in the tribulation period? Now, I'm not here to preach doctrine. I don't do that. I respect my brothers. But if you'll forgive me, let me just inject this just a moment. I, for myself personally, certainly I'll believe the church goes through the tribulation period, but not the bride. The bride goes home. See, God brings a bride out of a church like he brought a nation out of a nation in Egypt. See, the bride, that's the remnant of the woman's seed. The elected, that's his business where he puts the pattern. But the remnant is what's cut off from the pattern. A woman's seed was into outer darkness. Right. But not... Not the elected church. It's already judged and purified because it's in Christ. It don't have to go through anything else. The others has to go through judgment because they wasn't in. Now, one of these days, that little minority, as it was in the days of Noah, wherein eight souls were saved by water, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. In the days of Lot, wherein three souls were saved from fire, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. They're looking for a great, big, universal something when it's not even in the Scripture. See? One of these days they say, well, I thought the Bible said that the church would escape all of this. The bride escapes this. Just think, after Noah, as it was the days of Noah, Noah went in the ark and the door was closed. He went in on May the 17th. And the door was closed and never rained for seven days after he was in the ark. And they didn't know it. God closed the door, and one day the door of mercy will be closed. And people will go right on thinking they're getting saved and preaching and so forth, and mercy has done been spurned its last time. And know it not until it's missing. Remember these hundreds of people missing every day that we cannot find or give an account for them world over. There'll be one in the field, I'll take one, one in the, two in the bed, and I'll take one, universal. So it won't take very many to make that escape raptured bride. Remember the signs. Israel was always relied up on their signs instead of intellectual speeches. They were supposed to. The God sent them prophets. The prophets give signs. And signs, always when there's a sign, a scriptural sign, there's got to be a scriptural voice follow that scriptural sign. Amen. And it must all be scriptural, promised. So, see, you get into a trend like Luther on justification. That's what he knows. That's all they satisfied went right down into their doctrine. Here come Wesley with sanctification went right on the past it. Then he organized. Long come Pentecost with the restoration of the gifts. And they organized. God moves right on, right straight on all the time. Amen. See? Or each day, each church age. You have astounding picture there tonight's going in that book. Of uh, three years, how the Lord let me draw it out on a blackboard and show just how the church ages would fail and went, and how they would go up and down. And as soon as that was finished, that great angel of the Lord, that light before practically as many people sat here, come right on the side of the wall, stand there, and people fainting, and drawed it right out with itself on the wall. Three years later, the moon darkened and went right out just exactly in the day just before the Pope, first Pope, went to Rome. And when the church and ecumenical council is ready, oh, brother, sister, don't let me get started on that. We're right here at the end. Every sign, everything laying just right. God gives signs, scriptural signs, scripture signs of a voice. Remember when Moses, what's a sign given for? Is to attract attention. 
A sign is to attract attention. Then if the sign doesn't have any voice, then the sign's not right. If the sign gives the same old ecclesiastical voice, that sign isn't from God. If that voice hasn't got a change, and that change must be scriptural sign, must be scriptural voice. Say, for instance, is denominational voice followed a certain sign? God never sent that. We've had denomination all these years. It's got to be something different. It's got to be, thus saith the Lord, in the Scripture. God's got to promise it by the Word. And then a sign is to attract the people's attention to it. And then the voice follows the sign. That's the doctrine that goes with it. Jesus is a well-thought-of man. He was a young rabbi, the prophet of Galilee. He, when he's healing the sick and so forth, he's a great man. But one day he sat down and he began to talk and tell them, I and the Father are one. That's the voice that followed it. Oh, no, they didn't want that. They was ready for the sign, but the voice they didn't want. When you see the Son of Man ascending up from where he come from, they couldn't see that at all. See? But when the voice began to follow the sign, they didn't want nothing to do with it. Always a sign and a voice. Reason Moses took off his shoes, the sign attracted his attention. He looked over there and he saw that, that tree on fire. Now, he was a chemist. He was a great scientist. He was taught in all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and they've done things that we can't do today in science. Build a pyramid, sphinx, have embalming fluid that we don't have, coloring that we don't have. It's greater a civilization. And, uh, and more educated, and we are today. And Moses was a master over them. And when he saw that tree burning, with not burning down, no doubt, but what he said, my, in his heart he might have said, "I'll go over and pick a few of those leaves and take them down to the laboratory and see what chemical they're sprayed with." If he had done that, the voice would have never talked to him. You can't figure God out. You got to sit down by the side of him and talk it over. Take off your shoes, as it were. Lay down your education. Look straight into his words. I don't care what anyone else says. You promised it. Hear it for this day, and it's the truth. Amen. Moses took off his shoes. Watch the voice that come from him. If it hadn't been a scriptural voice, Moses wouldn't have believed it. The sign attracted the attention, and the sign was to attract the attention of the prophet. A prophet himself is a sign. When God sends a prophet, look out. Judgment follows it. It always has. It always will. There's no way around it. And it goes right on the top of the people, and they never know it until it's too far. No wonder Jesus said, you build the tombs of the prophets and whiten, and you're the one that put them in there. And as your fathers did, so will you. And they did it. Now we see coming on the scene now, we see Moses rising up here, and he seen that bush, and he drew near it, and a voice come from it said, take off your shoes for the ground on where you're standing is holy. He took off his shoes and knelt down, and he said, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. There come a scriptural voice. And I remember my promise, and I see the afflictions of my people. I remember my promise, and I'm sending you down there to do it. And I'm making you as my voice. And I'll give you two signs. And one of them will be in your hand. And you'll take and turn a serpent into a, a pole, into a serpent. And, and the next thing is put his hand in his bosom in divine healing. said, if they won't believe the voice of the first sign, then they will believe the voice of the second sign. And if they don't take water out of the river, pour it up on the ground, it'll become blood. That's their blood's already drenched in it, and Egypt is finished. We've had the first and got the second. I wonder if the next isn't the drenching of the blood. wonder where we're standing tonight. Voices and signs. God giving them signs. No, just, just think of how the, the things that we've seen done. Scriptural voices. Interpretation. 
Now in this great glare that the people's laying in their eyes glared out, I belong to this, I belong to that. That has no more to do with God than nothing else. Amen. Not at all. God in every generation has sent his signs. Jesus said before his coming, he would show signs. Yes. Before his coming, people are always remember to believe scriptural signs. They must be identified scripture signs. God always, as I said last night, the church gets things mixed up and gone out. Then he anoints one person. Every man differs from the other. He anoints one. God is one. And so he anoints a person. He never did use a group. He always uses one. Always has. He never changes his course. He uses one. And he sends that forth. He preaches a message. It's rejected flatly. But all that will come will come from that generation. First watch, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh, and then the bridegroom come, and we're in the seventh. And we find these denominational churches running, and I was ashamed of these, you Christian businessman the other night, putting in that book, that uh, businessman's book, Holy Father, so-and-so. Don't you Pentecostal people know that we're not supposed to call any man father on this earth? Amen. That shows that some kind of a glare has blinded your eyes. Yes. And don't you realize them people, the Bible said when the, when this remnant, this sleeping virgin come up to buy oil, that they didn't get it. They might have danced in the spirit, spoken tongues, but I've seen devils do that. That ain't got nothing to do with, I'm talking about the Holy Ghost, the Bible Holy Ghost. I've seen them carry on in the heathen fields. I've been seven times around the world and all in all kinds of heathens and around hundreds of thousands, as many as 150,000 people, or 50,000 people gather at one time. And find out that how the witch doctors and everything challenge you to it. You better know what you're talking about. Amen. You better not just have intellectual talk. You better be able by God to support what you're talking about or don't get on that field there. They'll make you embarrassed. But remember our God's still the God of Elijah. He's still the God that he ever was. He's still the same God. He moves in the same cycle. He does the same thing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I've seen him stand dumbfounded, paralyzed, and taken off the field. God still remains God. Notice, now Jesus told us these things would take place in the last days, and we find them just exactly, the signs of his coming. Everything, we all will agree that we're at the end of the world, but when he gets to come down to the church... And the things he's going to do for the church, the body, the bride, in the last days, then we turn our nose up and walk away. See, it's just, it's got to be that way. The world turns up their nose at that. They try to ignore it. Look at this year, television programs where too many Pentecostal people stay home on Wednesday night to watch We Love Susie, some immoral act of some woman married four or five times or some man, and love that better than you do your, your Christ. No wonder we can't have revival. No wonder there's not such a thing. When the love of the world is greater than the love of God that's in your heart. Oh, we can walk up and make a decision, put our name on the book and go out and live with the world. That's what the world's wanting. That's what the church is wanting. It's wanting to maintain its confession and believe that it is a Christian and live any way it wants to. Don't worry, you're going to get to do it in the ecumenical council. They'll let you do anything you want to. But remember, the bride will be a called out, separated in different... The old Holy Ghost barn, washed in the blood of the Lamb, she'll abstain from everything that's filthy around her husband. She's a chaste virgin, pure by the Word. The Word and her are the same as a man. His wife becomes one in union. So does a real genuine church of God. When he becomes in Christ, the Bible is punctuated with an amen, ever promised. Don't make any difference what the denomination says. The soul that's in a believer punctuated because it is the Word in him speaking out. 
The word sharper than a two-edged sword or discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. The Bible said so. That's how it's vindicated and known. Notice, my brother, notice it's too bad that we don't see these things. Jesus spoke of them. He was their scriptural sign, and they recognized him not. He was exactly the scriptural sign. He told them he was. He said, search the scriptures, and then you think you have eternal life, and they are the ones that testify of me. If I do not the works of my Father, believe it not. Everybody's got his own private interpretation. Every denomination has these seminaries. Hatch out a bunch of incubator preachers. I always felt sorry for an incubator chicken. It had no mammy. No matter how much it chirped, it wasn't mothered. That's the way these machines turn out a clergyman. Sometimes knows more about God than a hot and top does about Egyptian night. Or a rabbit know how to put on snowshoes. What we need is an experienced preacher that's been on the backside of the desert until he stayed in that place under God until a pillar of fire come down before him like it did Moses and nobody can take that from him. He was there when it happened. Now that is true. Back to God and back to his Bible. Jesus said, if you'd have known me, you would have known my day. Everybody has their own interpretation. The Methodist has theirs, Baptist, Presbyterian, Pentecostals, all the rest of them has their interpretation. But the Bible says that the Word of God is no private interpretation. Amen. What is the interpretation of it then? He does his own interpreting. Amen. He said, let there be light. And there was light. That don't need no interpretation. Amen. He said, a virgin shall conceive. And she did. That don't need any interpretation. Amen. He said, in the last days, he'd pour out his Spirit upon all flesh. And he did. That don't need no interpretation. It's already done. Right in the face of the critics that said it couldn't be done. God did it anyhow because he's interpreted his word. He said it as it was in the days of Sodom, so shall it be in the end time when the Son of Man is being revealed. And he did it. There's no need any interpretation. It interprets itself. All these promises that he made. He said, He that believeth on me the works that I do, the things that I do, shall he also don't need any interpretation. He just does it. That's all. If I am the vine and ye are the branches, the same life is in the vine is in the branches. The same branch that come forth on the day of Pentecost. I stood the other day and seen a mysterious sight. A good friend of mine, a friend of Jack Moore, John Sherritt, the Lord blessed him in the first part of the ministry. He had no children. He worked for 25 cents an hour busting concrete on the street. He come to the meeting. The Lord blessed him. Got five children. Now he owns half of Phoenix. Gives about two or three million each year to the Lord. Now standing on his farm, not long ago, one of them, where he had 1,500 Mexicans working steady. And a whole county of nothing but cotton, potatoes. County after county. He owns them himself. Fifteen years ago, was getting a quarter hour for breaking concrete. He trusted God. I was looking at one of his trees, and it had so many different kind of fruit on it. He has great citrus orchards. And I said, Brother Sherrick, what about that tree there? He said, Brother Branham, it's got all kind of fruit on it. I said, well, it's got lemons. It's got, I see tangerines, tangelo. I see lemons, grapefruit, and oranges. I said, what kind of tree is that? He said, an orange tree. I said, orange with all them on it? He said, yes, that's grafted. Just pushed in there. And I said, oh, I see. That's what you call grafting. He said, yes, Brother Branham. He explained how they've done certain times of year, how they grafted this limb. I said, now, next year, there won't be any uh, uh, tangerines. There won't be any tangelos. There won't be any uh, fruit at all, but nothing but oranges. He said, oh, no. No, no. 
said the grapefruit will bring the vine of the grapefruit will bring forth a grapefruit vine, a grapefruit. The tangerine will bring a tangerine. The lemon will bring a lemon. Well, I said, what kind of a tree is that? He said, a orange tree. He said, but if that orange tree ever puts forth another branch, I said, what will it bring? He said, an orange. I said, I see it. Oh, yes. Why? They're all citrus fruit. We all claim to be in Christ. But when we come in there with a denominational creed, we live by it. That's right. But if that tree ever brings forth another branch, it'll be another book of Acts wrote behind it. It'll be like the first branch was that come forth. It'll be Holy Ghost filled, Holy Ghost inspired, Holy Ghost. There'll be no creed to it. It'll be a word. Many of it takes my tapes, got the message on the bride tree. The fruit's right at the top for the evening lights to, to ripen. Now, and the evening lights is ripening the fruit at this time. How we find they ought to have known him, but they knew him not. So is it in our time. They know him not. Jesus here was referring quickly now, so we get to the message. Jesus was referring back, and he had been doing signs, showing them that he was the Messiah. Exactly what Messiah was supposed to do, doing the Messiah sign. Well, many of them we took last night believed it. We find out at the, the woman at the well, she wasn't educated. She was ill-famed, but as soon as she seen that sign, she said, Sir, I perceive you're a prophet, and I know that when the Messiah cometh and he'll do this, he said, I'm he that speaks to you. And when she went into the city of Sychar and told him all the things that he had done, said, Come see a man who told me what I've done. Isn't this the very Messiah? And the Bible said, He didn't do it anymore, but they believed on him because of the testimony of a woman of ill-fame. I talk about rising in the days of... Jonas in condemning this generation. Notice, we find out then Nathaniel, Peter, and others who believe. We see the blind Barnabas. We see little Zacchaeus in a tree hid. Jesus he said, he'll never see me up here. And Jesus stood around the tree, looked up and said, Zacchaeus, come on down. Amen. He was the Word. And the Word discerns the thought that's in the heart. And the Pharisees and scholars of that day condemned it. Because it didn't have the polish and shine of ecclesiasm in it. It didn't have the educational standpoint that it should have. It didn't have the tinsel and, and the uh, stuff that the ecclesiastics should have. A great big hood on, a turned around collar and something. In other words, some kind of a, uh, a words that could speak to be over the top of the common people's head. And the Bible said the common people heard him gladly. Amen. He spoke the common language. He lived a common man's life. And we find out that in doing this, we find what took place. Now, they could not believe it, and they said, this man is Beelzebub. He's a foul spirit. In other words, he's either got mental telepathy or, or either he's got, uh, he's a fortune teller of some sort, and anybody knows that that's of the devil. And it's impersonation. And so we find out then that they condemned him. Then he was standing here and said, Master, show us a sign. What did he turn to him? He said, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after his signs. Yes. Now watch. A wicked and an adulterous generation. He was prophesying. He said, and they will receive it. The wicked and adulterous generation. And if that ain't the generation we're living in, I don't know why. Remember, all prophecy has a compound meaning. Get Matthew there, third chapter, where it said, Out of Egypt I've called my son. Run the reference back to it. You find out he is talking about Jacob, his son, but also his greater son, Jesus, he called out of Egypt. Yes. Now we find that in there, a wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and they'll get it. For the wicked and adulterous generation 
will see the sign of the resurrection. As Jonas was in the, the whale's belly for three days and nights, so must the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth. Then he'll raise up. It's been 2,000 years, and we've got another wicked and adulterous generation. And they're receiving a sign of the resurrected Christ alive among us after 1,900 years. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jonah, we know him, we know he's a prophet. Many of them referred to him as some kind of a, a runabout. He wasn't. The right, footsteps of the righteous is ordered of the Lord. I was reading a book not long ago. He did go to Tarshish, or started to it, instead of Nineveh. But that was all in God's plan. The footsteps of the righteous, because sometimes evil befalls you or something. It was so with Job. He wasn't, Job was the best man in the land in his days. Best man God could find. And yet look what happened to him. He wasn't chastising. He was trying him. He was proving that Satan had somebody that would believe him in the face of difficult. So Jonah was the same thing. And we find him on the road down to Nineveh. And he took a ship to Tarshish. And, he, and the sea got up and he was asleep. He told him, tie my hands and feet and throw me out. For I'm the cause of it. And when they throwed him out, a big whale was swimming around through the waters, prowling, and swallowed this prophet. I remember not long ago in Louisville, Kentucky, where I used to live across the river in Indiana, they had a whale over there on a, on a flat car. Some little Ricky that had more intelligence than he knew how to control. He said, now you've heard the old fable of the whale swallowing Jonah. He got a baseball. Tuck it back to the esophagus of the, of the whale. And he said, looky here. said, it's a baseball won't even go through it. He said, the old fable of, of Jonah um, being swallowed by the whale. He said, just a fable. That was too much for me to stand. I said, just a minute, sir. He's beginning to tell how impossible for a man to get into that throat. I said, you failed to read the scripture, sir. And that is not a fable. It's a truth. He looked at me. He said, who are you? I said, I'm Reverend Branham from just across the river. He said, oh, I see a preacher believes that. I said, with all my heart. Yes. With all my heart. Yes. And he said, well, you know, he said, looky here, sir, not disputing, and I admire your stand and so forth, but said, scientifically, said, you couldn't put a man's hand hardly in his throat. I said, sir, you don't read the scripture right. The Bible said this is a special prepared fish. Amen. God said he prepared a fish. He's a special I believe what God says is the truth. This is a special. Switched his nose up and down with the glasses on him two or three times and went on with his lecture. Everybody laughed. His special fish. God prepared a fish to swallow Jonah. My, I believe it with all my heart. Now we find out that only he swallowed him. Anything a fish after it eats, it goes right down to the bottom. Feed your little goldfish and watch what happened. They go right down at the bottom of the little uh, container you got them in and rest their little swimmers on the bottom. Their little bellies full. And so they're down there resting. So when this uh, big fish swallowed Jonah, he must have went down to the bottom to rest. Out of the waves and out of the storm, is looking around through the revival to see what he could find. And uh, revival on the sea, you know, switching up down the winds. So he found this preacher and swallowed him and went down at the bottom. Now here are Jonah down there. In the belly of this whale, with his hands and feet tied, laying in the vomit of the whale. Now, I've often heard people say, I was prayed for last night, and, and my hands no better. It's still crippled. I still have the stomach ache. My eyes, I don't see good yet. Oh, my. Then holler at Jonah. <laughs> my. If anybody had a case of symptoms, he ought to have had it. If he looked this way, it was a whale's belly. That way, it was whale's belly. Everywhere he looked was whale's belly. 
and his hands is tied behind him. He was in a, a whale's belly in the bottom of the sea, probably 40 fathoms deep in the bottom of the sea. Now talk about symptoms, and then you called him backslid. But you know what he said? They're lying vanities. I won't even look at them. But once more will I look to thy holy temple, Lord. Now, Jonah knew that when Solomon dedicated the temple, he prayed and said, Lord, if thy people be in trouble anywhere and look to this holy place, then hear from heaven. And he had that much confidence in the prayer of a man that backslid, that made a prayer. How much more? There's none of us in that condition tonight. There's none of us that kind of symptoms. And then we look at our symptoms. Why, why, if he could have that much confidence in a prayer of a man at backslid, and we're asked to look to heaven, where Jesus sits at the right hand of the majesty on high, in a temple not made with hands, he's expecting in there to intercede upon your confession. How much more should we ignore our symptoms? And once more, I'll look to our holy promise, Lord. Oh, my, when we see God on the scene. Now we find out that Jonah, they said this whale, carried him in there for three days and nights. Took him all the way back down around, backtracked the course, went over. And now the people of Nineveh were, had become like they are in the rest of the world now. They're a great commercial world. The industry was fishing. And all the men fished and they worshipped idols. And the whale was the sea god. And one day about 11 o'clock, while they were all out there fishing, here come their sea god in, licked out his tongue, and the prophet walked off the gangplank. No wonder they repented. <laughs> See, Amen. that was a sign. That was a sign. What was the voice? What was the voice? You see, boys, what I can do? No. Repent, or within 40 days, God will destroy the place. The sign and the voice. The voice that followed the sign. Repent. He said, and then people that didn't know right hand from the left repented at the preaching of Jonas and are greater than Jonas this year. Amen. See? Then he said, the queen of the south shall rise up in the, her gener- with this generation and condemn it because she came from the utmost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon and are greater than Solomon this year. Now, when, in closing, I say this. When God sends a gift to the earth, a signed gift, and the people believe it, that's one of the most glorious ages people ever lived. Amen. But when he stands a sign and it's rejected, that generation goes into chaos. Amen. It always has. What if the people of America tonight would receive the sign of God in this last days? While we're talking about going to Fort Knox and moving the government down there and digging down into the ground, while them Russian bombs goes up maybe 100, 200 yards down the ground and blow it for 150 miles while the concussion go plumb into the to the lava. You're not safe nowhere on this earth. The only one safety. That's in the arms of Jesus Christ. He's our retreat. But what if we tonight as Americans that we all trusted in the gift that God give us, the Holy Ghost in the last days? Why every nation would fear us like they did in the days of Solomon. God gave Solomon a gift and all the whole church, everybody believed it. That was a millennium for the Jews. That's the Old Testament millennium. In the days of Solomon, a foreshadow of the millennium to come, the golden age of the Jews. Notice nobody started war with them. They feared them because they know their God was real because they had him in their presence. And the people was all one heart and one accord. While the fame went everywhere, everywhere. And you hear, oh, what a great thing, great God Israel has, the living God. And his fame went way down into Sheba, measured on the map and see how far it is. 
There's a little queen down there that got to hungering in her heart for God. Every time she hears somebody, one of the caravans that come by, she'd say, have you been through Palestine? Yes. Tell me about that great revival they got going on up there. And everybody would say, oh, it's marvelous. Did you see it? Yes. How is it? Oh, that great God that they serve has come down and lived in one of his servants, and they made him king. Why, he can discern, he knows the very thoughts that's in your heart. And, you know, they say that God is the Word, and the Word is God. And the Word discerns the thoughts that's in their heart, and that man's wisdom exceeds anything you've ever heard of. He can discern, know even the thoughts that you're thinking about. Oh, it's a wonderful revival they got up there. And, you know, faith cometh by... Hearing, hearing the Word of God, the promise of God. And this little queen got to hunger, and she wanted to go to this revival. Now, she had a whole lot to confront her. Now, the first thing, she was a pagan. She'd have to go to her priest to ask if she could leave. She's a queen. She's in dignity, in the celebrity. Now, no doubt but what she went up to the high priest, and she said, Great Holy Father, I understand that there is a revival up in Israel, and they're having a great time up there, and their God is living, and he's doing great signs and wonders that we've never seen anything like it or heard anything like it. Every caravan, I inquire, and they say, It's wonderful. May I be excused from my denomination to go visit? I can imagine we're not cooperating in that meeting, so you better stay away from it. Then, You know... Man die, but not spirits. <laughs> See, then we find out that, uh, no, you better stay away from it. We're not cooperating in that. When I look, a holy father, I understand. Now, look here. If there's anything going on, it'd be going on among us. Our church would have it. Yeah. Oh, my. Uh, here it is here. We, we'd have it right here. I can hear that little queen say, rise up. I like her spunk. She raised up and said, I've seen these idols standing here for years. I've heard you standing behind the pulpit and preaching about some God that was, some God that was. My great-great-grandmother heard the same story and not being moved in no time. They tell me they got a living God that's living among them. Something that's genuine. I want to see it. Now, look, if you go, you know what you're going to do? You associate yourself with a bunch of people, you know, you know, they got all this opening Red Seas and all that kind of stuff. You better not go up there, because if you do, well, I'm going anyhow. We'll take your name right off the book. Well, take it off the book. When a person goes to hunger and thirsting for God, there's no book in the world can hold them because they're after a book. Take my name off if you want to. I'm going anyhow. I hear that that's a living God's got reality. I'm going to find out about it. So you just might as well get my name off of it. Now, she had a lot to confront her. Now, remember, she made up her mind. She got all the scrolls to read what Jehovah was. Now, there's a smart woman. Don't go on somebody else's presumption. Just go what the Bible says he is. Take what he says he is. Find out what he is if he lives or not. Not what some scholar has said about it, but what he said himself about himself. What he promised. And she began to read. Now, she had a a real good uh, idea. She said, I'm going to pack up a lot of gifts and I'm going to take it. And if it's the truth, I'll support it. If it is the truth, I can bring my money back. She could teach Pentecostal people something. Supporting radio programs that laugh at the very thing that you believe in, and yet you support it. Let your, well, I'll keep still on that. You know enough about that anyhow. That's your preacher's business. Notice, but that's a shame. She said, if it isn't real, I'll bring them gifts back. So she packed them up on a camel. Remember, look what confronted her. She had a long distance. You know how it takes? She had to go by camel. You know how long it takes? It takes 90 days, three months, on the back of a camel, not in an air-conditioned Cadillac. No, no. Three days in the back of a camel 
No wonder Jesus said she'll raise in the judgment with this generation condemnment. There's people in Birmingham would walk across the street to see the same thing. Buses, streetcars, airplanes, and everything else in our day. No wonder when they rise up they'll condemn this generation. Yes, sir, far greater than Solomon is here. The Holy Ghost himself. Notice, we find out. Then there's another thought. Looking at Ishmael's children was on the desert and they were fleet riders. My, and robbers, well, she had all that money on there. What? Her little band of eunuchs, guards that she had, and a few maids, they'd just cut, chop them right down, take that treasure, and go on like nothing. But you know, there's something about when your heart begins to hunger to find the reality of God, there's no danger in the way. You don't see any danger. You don't see any failure. You say, well, will I get well? There's no question in your mind. Genuine faith anchors itself. There's nothing going to move it. Stays right there. She never thought about the danger laid ahead. There's one thing she had, one, one objective she had, one thing she wanted to achieve, and her motives was right, so she went to reach it. For her heart was hungering and thirsting. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. That's right. Watch her now. As she starts out across the desert, probably traveling at night, resting in the daytime under some oasis, reading those scriptures, finally she arrived at the porch of Solomon. When she did, out in the, in, the, um, in the court, she unloaded her camels and set up her tent. Now, she didn't come like some people. Some people today, she is in the, here's the 19 and, and 64 version of it. I hear they're doing, the, they say the Lord's doing this. I'll go down, and the first word said against what I believe, right out the door, I'll go. See? But not her. She brought the word and sat down. She's going to stay there until she was actually convinced. Amen. She wasn't going to check her own ideas. She's going to check the word. Yes. So she went in. I imagine the first day she sat down, way back in the back, and the trumpets sound, the bells uh, tolled out, and uh, 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 all the singers went to singing. The Ark of the Covenant was there at the place, and Pastor Solomon came out, sat down. She said, now I'll see if we're the gods and the man or not. So she watched, and every case began to move. Oh, what a wonderful thing. Nothing was hid. So she got her prayer card, you know, waited. So as it was, as she, as she come up in the line, finally, day after day, she waited. She grew more interest all the time as the revival went on. My, her heart was hungry. And after a while, she got before Solomon. And the Bible said there wasn't nothing but what Solomon revealed to her. Discernment. And yeah, it was Jesus standing, the God of Solomon. Amen. A greater than Solomon is here. Amen. And they said, show us a sign, Master. A greater than Solomon is here. And the queen of the south come from the uttermost parts of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, a greater than Solomon is here. And we've had 2,000, yeah, 2,800 years since then of Bible history. And tonight, a greater than Solomon is here. With the promised word of this day. And still we mope right along. No wonder she'll stand in the day of judgment and condemn Birmingham, United States, all the rest with her testimony. For her heart was hungering to see God and she stayed till it was over. What did she say then after she seen the real thing happen? You know what she said? She, after Solomon revealed to her what was in her heart, why she said, all that I ever heard and even more than, but why it had been done on her then. She'd seen what somebody else had said about it, but it was her turn then. Her, her secret had been revealed to her, and she said, it's greater. And she said, even blessed are the man that's with you. 
that sees this all the time. The man that stands here and sees these things all the time, blessed are they. And she, seen the way he went up to the house of the Lord, she become a believer and promised to rise in the last days and condemn these generations as it was in the days of Solomon and as the days of Jonas and so forth. She'll rise in this day and condemn in the resurrection the people that's lived in this day far greater than Solomon is here. The Holy Spirit himself is here. The creator of the heavens and earth is here. Identifying himself with his people with the same kind of a gift. Yes. Exactly like it was in Christ, him doing it. Like it was in Solomon, him doing it. Like it was in the prophets and him doing it. Like prophesied for the last right. days. We haven't had it for, for hundreds and hundreds of years. And as it was just before his first coming, they had no had no discernment for hundreds of years, and there come on the scene and somebody introduced the Messiah and promised the next thing coming right along in the last days as it was then. Here we are in the last days, signs that he promised would happen, the world situation just the way it's supposed to be, the immorality of the world and everything that we got, just in position, and the Holy Spirit right in the position doing exact, oh, it's a wonderful thing to know that we serve a real God. I feel like telling something now. I've told it before, but I think I feel led to say it again. As everybody knows, I hunt. Not so much for the game. I like to be in the woods. My mother was a half-breed. You know that. My mother was a half-Cherokee Indian. Her mother drove the pension, see, in Tennessee. So now we find out that in that, I love to hunt in my conversion. Never take Because my first Bible was the woods. I could see a flower, how it died. A little seed laid in the ground and rotted. Everything was gone. But the next year, there was nothing you could find. You could take that handful of dirt to the laboratories. Not a chemist in the world could find that germ of life in there. But it lived again when the sun came up. It lived again. That let me know there was a life, death, burial, resurrection. I see the sun rise in the morning. It's a little baby born. At 8 o'clock, it starts to school. It's at around about uh, 10 o'clock, it's out of college then. And then at noontime, it's in his strength. 2 o'clock, it's 55 years old. And then along about 4 o'clock, it's getting 80, 85. It's gone. It's served God's purpose. But what? If it served God's purpose, is that the end of it? No, it rises up again the next morning to testify there is birth, life, death, resurrection. But first thing, a a seed planted in the ground, if it isn't germatized, it will not come up. It's got to serve God's purpose in order to come up. And so do we. We are a germatized seed in the ground. We must serve God's purpose or we'll, we'll never come up in that first resurrection. Come up for judgment in the last. It's like a hybrid corn. It comes up long enough to take its judgment of the sun and dies and goes back, and that's all of it. Exactly right, but the real seed leaves, lives again, Amen. produces itself. Look at the sap in a tree. Before any frost falls or anything else, that tree, the, some nature somewhere gets a hold of it and says, run down to the bottom of the tree right quick, get down in the ground, because there's a frost coming. And if it don't, it'll kill the tree. And hides down there until all the freeze is over, and then comes right back up again. Amen. Some intelligent doesn't. Yes. You know what intelligent that is? You explain that to me. What intelligence makes that tree go down, hide itself, and come back up? And I'll tell you the intelligence that tells me who you are and where you come from, what you've done and where you're going. That's the same thing because it's the same God. Sure, exactly. It's God that does those things. Now, remember, friends, one day I was hunting. Well, we used to go hunting up in the north woods. Now, I hunted with a friend, and I loved to hunt with him. He's kind of a part of an Indian, too. It's Bert Call. And he's a fine man. A man might be sitting right here now for all. I know he comes down south here all the time. He was a great hunter. He never had to worry about him. He doesn't go get lost. 
We'd hunt together and we'd know each other. But he is the cruel hardest man I ever met in my life. He would shoot fawns just to, just to make me feel bad. Because I didn't like to see kill little fellows. It's all right to kill a fawn now if the government says so. I was game warden for years and I'm still a conservationist. I, I believe in animals and I believe in conservation. And let them just, just, if you let them keep on going on, they're put here to eat. If you don't eat some of them out, then they'll take a disease and die out or starve to death. But just what the law says, they know how to handle that. Let them take care of it. But Bert would kill him just to be mean, just to see me feel bad about it. You say, he said, Billy, you're a good preacher or a good hunter, but trouble of this, you're too much of a preacher. You're too chicken hearted. I said, Bert, you're just cruel. That's all. And we go on. One day I went up. I had to work late, and it was a little getting late in the season. The white-tailed deer, I don't know where he had him here or not. Oh, my. You talk about Houdini, you've been an escape artist. They're better than he. So it was late in the season. He'd been shot at a few times. And we started one morning, about six inches of snow, started up across the presidential range. And we'd take some, uh, always take hot chocolate and a sandwich. And about noontime, if we didn't get deer, then we'd separate in the mountains and come back and get him sometime nine or ten o'clock that night. If we got a deer, we hung him up. we know where we were at, and we'd come back and get him. So that morning we went up, and so before I left, he said, Hey, Billy, I got something for you this year. And I said, What is it? He reached down his pocket and pulled out a little whistle, something about the size of this, and he blew it. It sounded like a fawn calling for its mammy. You know, the little baby deer calling for its mammy. I said, Bert, you wouldn't be that cruel, would you? He said, Oh, you chicken-hearted preachers, you're all alike. So we started up the hill, and along about 11 o'clock, is an opening about the size of this room, maybe a little larger. And we hadn't even seen a track. There was moonlight. They were feeding at night, and they were just, and it's hard to find them. They just stayed hid, laid down, and so under the brush and back in the deep timber, and they'd paw down, eat moss, and forget it. So then we would. I come to this little opening there, and he sat down. I thought his bank of snow there drifting. I thought he's going in his pocket like this to get out this a little a thermos bottle to take a drink of his uh, his uh, chocolate, and we'd eat our, our dinner and then separate, and we'd go back across the ranges. He'd go one way and me the other. But when he did, I started reaching to get my sandwich because I was getting a little hungry. I set my gun down against the tree and reached back my sandwich. And I looked at him. He looked up at me and he had eyes just like a lizard anyhow. You know, I'm like women paint their eyes today. You know what? Funny looking dog like a look on him. And then had uh, all painted up like that. Well, that's why his eyes looked kind of like a lizard, kind of slant. Like he looked up at me and I thought, what's he got on his mind? He reached down and brought out this little whistle. And I thought, I said, Bert, aren't you ashamed of yourself? And he blew it. And when he did, just about 30 yards, or hardly so far, a big doe stood up. Now, the doe is the mama deer. That was her baby calling. She, he blew the whistle. She jumped up. Now, she wouldn't have done that by no means. She knew we were there. But her baby was in trouble. And he looked at me in them lizard eyes again. I seen him move the safety down on a thirty oh six rifle. He was a dead shot. Oh, he was a good one. And he blew the whistle again. And that old mother deer walked right straight out in that opening. Now, brother, that's unusual. They wouldn't do that. First thing, she wouldn't have got up. If she would, she went the other way. And here she was, walked right out in the opening. And she knew we were there. And as soon as the safety clicked on that gun, she turned to look right at the hunter. Instead of running, she just stood there, her big ears, her eyes wide open, her ears sticking up. And she was looking around. What was it? She was a mother. That was her baby. Her baby was in trouble. The little, aunt, the little fellow was crying like a little fawn. She wasn't a hypocrite. She wasn't putting on something. She was genuine. She was born a mother. That's what she was, a mother. And he leveled that gun down. I thought, how can you do it, Bert? How can you? I, I couldn't look at it. I turned my back. 
I thought, Lord God, how can a man be that cruel-hearted, blow that faithful heart of that mother looking for her baby, and coax her out there, deceive her, and bring her out there, and then I know he is such a dead shot, he'd blow that sacred heart of hers plumb through the other side of her. And her, a mother, uh, she would actually come because that was her baby. And talk about a sign, that was one of it, of loyalty. Because something was on the inside. Yes. She was a mother. And I turned my back. I said, Lord God, how can a human being be that cruel to do a thing like that? And I waited and I waited, and the gun never fired. I thought, any minute I hear the gun go off, and it was, it, a 180-grain bullet mushroom and blowed her heart plump through her. And I thought, well, why didn't it go off? And I stand this way with my eyes closed praying, and when I turned my head to look, the gun barrel was going like this. Lord. And I looked at it, Jim, and wiggling the gun barrel. He turned up and looked in those lizard eyes and took another look. The tears was rolling down his cheeks. He threw the gun on the ground and said, Billy, I've had enough of it. Lead me to that Jesus that you're talking about. Oh. What was it? Right there on that bank of snow, I led that cruel-hearted man. He's a deacon in a church now. What was it? He saw something real. Something genuine. Something it wasn't some theology or some uh, historical something. He saw God in reality. That's what brought him. Oh, how many in here would like to be the kind, much of a Christian as that dear was a mother? Sure. With a real experience in the face of death, I mean. Let us bow our heads. Heavenly Father, the hour is late. And the people are attentive. They're nice and they're listening. This little story now, Lord, if I remember that cold November day standing up there and the wind's kind of blowing across the mountain. I can see them glistening tears running down them bearded cheeks when he helped me with the leg and cried. I said, Billy, you talk to me about someone that's love, and I, I see some reality here. There's something in that deer that drove her out there, Lord. There's a real motherhood in there. It was a real sign that there was genuine love and motherhood. Oh, God, let thy word speak tonight. Genuine, genuine Holy Spirit, not something that's emotional, enthusiastic, which it is also, but something that's real by the Word made manifest, the Word sharper than a two-edged sword, and discerns the thoughts that's in the heart, which you identified all your prophets when you were on earth. You call them gods. You said you call those who the Word of God came to gods then how can you condemn me when I say I'm the Son of God? Oh, Lord, the world knows its own. It's been blind all the years. I pray tonight, Father, that you'll open the eyes of people and let us tonight become real Christians and real beliefs far greater than Solomon is here, greater than all the prophets is here. The Son of God himself is here in the form of the Holy Ghost promising a li- yet a little while and the world won't see me no more. The word cosmos, the world order, won't see me no more. Yet ye shall see me, for I will be in you even to the end of the world. And Father, you say you're the same yesterday, today, and forever, and we know it is the truth. Oh, I pray, God, that you'll have mercy tonight. And while we have our heads bowed, I wonder... Tonight, with our heads bowed, would anybody that be honest with God now in his presence, before you've seen anything happen, 
But yet you know in your heart that you're not as much a genuine Christian as that dear was a mother. And the reason she was a mother is because she was born a mother. She couldn't help being that. She was born a mother. And now, if you are not born, if you ain't got that same love for Christ, regardless of what anybody says, you believe him. He's the same yesterday and forever. And you would like to have that kind of Christian love in you as that mother love produced for her. Would you, with your heads bowed, everybody now and every eye closed, raise up your hand and say, pray for me, Brother Branham? And I'll certainly do it. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Oh, my, look around on the floor. Up in the balconies, all across. Don't be ashamed. If you're ashamed of him here, he said, I'll be ashamed of you before the Father. The Holy Angel. You're in his presence now. He's here. He's absolutely here. The great Holy Spirit, that pillar of fire that was with Moses, is right here. You remember, when he was here on earth, he said, I come from God and I go to God. And they said that Moses forsook the treasures of Egypt, considering the treasures of Christ greater than all, the reproach of Christ greater than all the treasures of Egypt. He went in the wilderness with Christ. And any Bible reader knows that that pillar of fire was the angel of the covenant, the Logos, that went out of God, which was Jesus. And then when he died, he ascended up into heaven. And when he met Saul on the road to Damascus, he had done turned back to the pillar of fire again. And he even put Paul's eyes out with brightness. Now he's here tonight, the same yesterday, day, and forever. Would you like to identify yourself before him and say, Lord God, I haven't got that kind of an experience. I want to have it. I'm not asking you to come up here. I'm just asking you to raise your hand to him if you feel like that. Was there some that hasn't raised their hands? Raise your hands now. God bless you. Our Heavenly Father, they're yours. Science says, according to science, we cannot raise our hands. Gravitation holds it down. But there's a spirit in man and in women. And they, another spirit come to them, which was the Holy Spirit, and said, raise up your hand. And they defied the law of gravitation and raised their hands towards God who made them. I want to be a real Christian Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll make each of them real Christians through Jesus Christ's name. They are yours, Lord. How little did I know that day that when that little deer walked out there on that field, it would be the cause of, but it was a sign. But thou knowest all things, so I pray, Father, that you'll receive them. Now they're trophies of the gospel. They're yours. You said no man can pluck them from my heart, from my hand. And you said all that is mine belongs to the Father. No man can pluck them from his hand. Jesus said in St. John 5, 24, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into the judgment, but pass from death unto life. Lord, that's your word. Now, not them that makes believe, but them that really believe have eternal life. They're yours, Father. I give them to you now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. I'll be real reverent just a moment. Now, it's just exactly time to close, but just wait just a moment. Before we do that, how many believe that Jesus Christ promised to be with us wherever two or three were gathered in his name? How many believe that he is the same yesterday, day, and forever? If he was here tonight, he would be just as he was then. He'd do the same thing. The Bible said that he's the high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. Is that right? New Testament. Hebrews 3rd chapter, a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our, inter- of our infirmities. I have faith in God. 
I just believe real with all your heart. And you out there now that's out in this audience that doesn't, it's sick. How many of you sick? Raise up your hands. Just say, I'm sick. Now just real low, real quiet now, everybody. Now you pray. Say, Lord Jesus, Brother Bram doesn't know me, but what he said tonight are greater than Solomon is here. And I know that that's prophesied to your return. It hasn't been in the world for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. But you promised it would return again in the last days, according to Malachi 4. And promised to St. Luke 17 and all these other promises. You said it would be here when the Son of Man revealed himself. Because it has to be the Word, because in the beginning was the Word, and the Word is with God, and the Word was God. The Word is made flesh and dwelt among us, and the Word discerns the thoughts. It was a word in the prophets. It was a word in the Son. It's a word in you today. The word. It's prophesied, promised. Although you find many impersonations, many carnal competitions, that doesn't take away from the, from the real. He's a real Holy Ghost. Real God. Now you believe with all your heart and look this way to me and believe with all your heart. Say, Lord God, I'm going to pray and I pray that that you will reveal to Brother Branham, and let me touch your garment, and you turn to him, because he don't know me, and tell me what my trouble is, and then I'll know that your presence is your friends. You know what's the matter with the Pentecostal people? They've seen too much. An old salt one day was coming from the sea, and he found a rider going to the sea. And the old salt said to the, to the rider, said, Where goest thou, my good man? said, Down to the sea. Oh, I want to smell its salty brines. I want to see its blue skies, the white clouds, the seagulls. He said, I was born only 50 years ago. I don't see nothing so attractive about it. That's it. He's seen so much of it until it become common. That's what's the matter with us people. We've seen so much of God. This church that has been called out of the denominational groups in the last days has seen so much of it until it's become so common, you just overlook it. Don't never let Christ become common to you, friend. Don't never do that. You just believe with all your heart and all that's in you. I have faith in God. I just pray. Let the Lord Jesus grant it. You just touch his garment. I don't know you touch him. He can be touched. I don't say that he will do it. Just a moment. But settle it all. Just, just, just kind of have your heart fixed on him. Now, it's a light. Don't nobody take a picture, a flash picture. Just be reverent. I right, hear it is. It's over a woman sitting here looking at me. Right here at the end. Right there. You believe me to be his servant lady. I'm a stranger to you. You don't know me. I don't know you. But if God will describe to me, just like he did to the woman, tell her about her blood issue, or, or the woman had five husbands, if the Lord Jesus will, will provide that information to you through me, would you believe it with all your heart? You know where it's the truth or not. All right. It's a bladder trouble. That's right. Raise up your hand. Now, that's exactly right. Here. You sat next to her. You was going to help her. You touched her with your hand. Now, you were kind. Now, you believe God can tell me what your trouble is? You believe that he can do it? 
High blood pressure. That's right. Raise up your hand. The man sat next to her. Do you believe, sir? Believe God can tell me what your trouble is? You know where it be truth or not. Vericoist veins. You believe? The little lady sitting there kind of crying like, your trouble is nervousness. That's exactly right. Kind of shattered. You get weak in the daytime. You think you're losing your mind. The devil tries to tell you that, but you're not. It's all over from tonight now. You got the it's left you. The black shadow that was over you has left you. You're weeping there sitting next to her, lady. It, it thrills you. Now, do you believe me to be his prophet or his servant? That stumbles some people, you see. So you, I don't know yet. We're strangers. You believe God can tell me what's your trouble? All right. You have uh, heart trouble, kidney trouble, and your anemia. That's right. Raise up your hand. This little lady sitting here, kind of heavy set, uh, red and dark striped dress on, she's praying. She wants to be called in this line. If that's right, raise up your hand, lady. You believe God can tell me what your trouble is? Your friend will be all right. The spiritual problem will be all right. And your female trouble will leave you if you'll believe God with all your heart. Now, if that's right, raise up your hand. That's what she's praying about. Raise up your hand so that people can see what you're doing. All right? You just have faith in God. Somebody back. You don't have to be sitting on the front. Way back. Believe with all your heart. Way back there, there's a woman. She's got a growth on her side. She's praying. She's going to miss it. Lord God, help me, I pray. Mrs. Goodman, you believe with all your heart that God will take that growth from your side? All right. Raise your hand, Webb, so the people can see you. I'm a total stranger, never seen her. There she is. is them things right? Raise up your hand. All right. A lady sitting over there, out towards the end there. She's suffering with the gallbladder trouble. And she's also, she's got diabetes, heart trouble. Mrs. Holderfield, believe with all your heart, lady, and you can be healed there, you Please don't move around with people. I, I ask you in Christ's name, don't do that. See, diseases go from one to another. See? Unbelief is the most horrible thing there is in the world. Just have faith. There's a little lady sitting here praying about her husband. He drinks. That's right. You're praying that he'll stop drinking. Isn't that right? All right. I don't know you. Got a prayer card? You don't have You don't need one. Just faith that you got. You touch something, you're 20, 30 feet from me, you touch the high priest. That's right. A little lady behind there is praying about her husband, too. Sitting behind her. That's right. Your husband's a nervous man. Kind of a mental nervousness. He's missing right now. That's right. Raise up your hand. And you've got something wrong with your hand. You have allergies, something other. You touch stuff that makes your hands go bad. Isn't that right? Mrs. Patty is your name. You believe with all your heart now? That's right. Raise up your hand. Praise the Lord. I've asked you to believe what about this lady sitting here? You've got a mark on your face, like a little skin cancer. You believe me to be God's servant? You do? I don't know you. You're a stranger to me. That's not exactly what you're praying about. You're praying about a heart trouble that you got. That's right. Is that right? This lady sitting here. If you believe with all your heart, you can have your healing. Your husband got his last night. Why not you? Ex-woman preacher. I believe with all your heart, you 
Now you see, just so you know, you just kind of question it in your mind. See, now you're satisfied, aren't you? That it does. Or raise up your hand if that's right. Have faith in God. What do you think of that diabetes, sir? Sitting here with your hand up, you believe that God can heal diabetes and make you well? You do? All right, sir. God can heal. You're a stranger to me, too. If you'll believe with all your heart, the man sitting there has got heart trouble, something wrong with his back. Mr. Easter, he was hurt in a train accident that caused that. That's right. Raise up. Jesus Christ will heal you and make you well. How many of you believe? A greater than Solomon is here. You believe it? Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever swept from across the building. You believe now that he's here? He's right here now. That's reality. That's exactly what he said would take place. These things that I do shall you also more than this will you do, for I go to my Father. One time a woman touched him. He got so weak. He said, virtue went from me. And he was the Son of God. I'm a sinner, saved by his grace. More than this shall you do. I know the King James says greater, but in the original, it says more than this shall you do, for I go unto my Father. Now, do you believe that? You believe his presence is here? Then why not lay your hands over on one another, you believers, and pray for your fellow man sitting next to you, each one of you. Lay your hands over on each other and believe with all your heart now as you pray. Pray the way you do in church. Believe the way you've always believed. Now let that Spirit of God that made you a Christian be just as great and royal to you as you're praying for that person as that mother dear had in her being a mother. That loyal Spirit of Christ that's here now, that the world don't believe. The world hates it. The world don't understand it. The Bible said they wouldn't. The world knows its own. God knows his own. God promised that it's the truth. So help me as the truth. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and forever. Pray now, Lord Jesus, here lay some handkerchiefs laying here that's for the sick and the afflicted. Now lay my hands upon them because we're taught in the Bible to take them from the body of Paul, handkerchiefs and aprons, and unclean spirits went out of the people and they were healed of diseases. Now we're not St. Paul, but you're still Jesus. And I pray that you'll honor these, uh, for these people that couldn't be to the meeting. May when they're laid up on the people, may it come to pass, like one of the writers said, when the, when the Red Sea got in the way of the children of Israel, God looked down through that pillar of fire with angry eyes, and the sea got scared because it was standing in the way of the path of duty to believers. And the sea moved back, and the... And the believers went over to the promised land. Lord God, look down through the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, tonight. Upon these handkerchiefs, upon these audience here, with their hands laying on each other, praying for each other. You said, confess your faults one to the other. Pray one for the other, that you may be healed. For the affectionate, fervent prayer of the righteous availeth much. I pray, God, as the, the confessed Christian tonight is praying for the person he has his hands on, May the power of the Holy Ghost come upon that person. May the Spirit quicken to them, Lord. The reality, may they not miss it, Lord. Let them not be like something that's going to miss it, Father. May Birmingham catch its vision now of the presence of the resurrected Jesus Christ, uh, greater than all the prophets, uh, greater than all the preachers, greater than all the popes or the potentates or whatever it might be. It's Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever, uh, vindicating himself in the last days by his promised word. Grant it, Lord. I pray this faith, a prayer of faith for them as they pray for each other. In Jesus Christ's name, we present it to you. Now, each one of you, as you got your hands on somebody? 
Now just close your eyes and remember the Christ that's promised this has come here and vindicated himself. Yes, I've seen a man heal right there with TV sitting right back here in front of me. Now, if you just, it's just going on everywhere, everywhere in the building. Jesus said it never be forgiven. In this world the world come, the scripture promises it. And here it is vindicated back before you. People, in the name of Jesus Christ, receive him while, he, while he's here in the presence of us tonight. While we're with him. Will you believe it? And all that truly does believe it and accepts him as your savior or as your healer, will you stand to your feet to give testimony? I'll stand as a testimony. I truly believe and I now accept my healing, my salvation, and all my needs in the presence of Christ. I now accept it. My look over the building. Almost all the congregation standing. Wonderful. That's beautiful. Now, it's all over if you believe it. If thou canst believe. Now, let us close your eyes and raise up our hands and sing, I love him. I love him because he first loved me. Let's give him praise as we sing him now. Sing to him these praises. I love him. up our hands and say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I love him. Everybody. I love him. Be bow your head just a moment. The, piano, the organist and the pianist go right ahead. I wonder tonight, is your conviction still believing? I wonder if you believe that the God who can tell me the secret in the heart to prove that he don't have to do that now, but he said he would do it. When Jesus came the first time, he didn't have to heal, but he said he would do it. He did it that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophet. And he does it tonight because the prophet's said he would and Jesus said he would too now I wonder if you who wants that love of God in your heart like the like the mother dear had for her baby you want that love in your heart for Christ and you believe you'd hear our prayer would you come stand here while we pray for you while we sing that once more just come right up here you make a public confession and just walk right out and stand along here if you believe it prayer my prayer will help you you come right up while we sing this again now I prove you love him by coming I God bless you. God bless you.
here that's interested in lost souls and still has a vision for people in need. If you'll walk up now among the people, all you ministers in here, every minister that believes that God will still save a sinner, you might see one of the greatest things happen just now you've ever seen. This is what the Holy Spirit likes. I love him. Now prove it. Prove it you're interested. You love him. You love him. You love his children. Love him. Weed yourself right in among these people here. Just come right on up and get among the people, right? Like this. Weed yourself right in. Lay your hands upon them. Come right up here now. We're going to pray. I believe the Holy Spirit will be poured out upon the people tonight, right here in the audience. with him. You can read his word. Don't you think he knows that? Right here. What no secret. He knows just what you're talking, what you're meaning. Now let's bow our heads, each one, all over the audience, you that even couldn't get here. Now let's pray. Each one of you just confess all your wrong. Confess all your unbelief. Say, Lord Jesus, maybe I belonged to church once. I went to church, but I never was satisfied. There was something other. Oh, I might have, I might have shouted. I might have spoke with tongues. I, I might have joined church. All those things are fine. I have nothing against that. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about love of God. That's really down there. That's the Holy Spirit. 
That's it. And you want that. Something that's real seasoned, that'll make the Word of God just live through you and act through you, see? <clears throat> no roots of bitterness in the channel of Holy Spirit just flows right through you. That's what you want. Now just bow your head and reverently pray, and you ministers, lay your hands up on them now. Our Heavenly Father, we're bringing to you tonight this audience of people that stands here making confession, knowing that they've been wrong. Their probably motives and objectives, too, has been wrong. But tonight they have come believing, believing that you will forgive every sin. Many of them went to church for years. Many of them has, has done uh, a great uh, charitable deeds. But, Lord, tonight they are wanting the reality. They're wanting that sweetness, that, that something that's they lacking in their lives, that Holy Spirit of God that moves in the form of the Word. And your servants, the ministers, your servants has their hands laid up on them. We are praying for them this prayer and asking, Lord, that this will be the time that not no other way but right down in their heart. It'll one time forever in your presence be settled right now. May the Holy Ghost come into their lives just now and make them sweeten, Lord, with the, with the great honey of heaven and give to them an experience that will be an everlasting experience that the great presence of the living God may come boldly into their lives and will give to them that what they need just now. Granted, eternal God, they are yours. I present them to you as love gifts and as the sacrifices as they're making here. And may the Holy Ghost just make it real to them now. God grant In Jesus' name. Your pastor's going to pray. Our Father, we continue in thy presence now. Yes, we Lord. We thank thee for all of these who have come. Yes, to give Lord. Give their hearts to Jesus Christ. For others who have come to be Friend. filled with the Holy Spirit. 